Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello and welcome in to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Uh, Welcome in. We're continuing our uh, Star Wars The Skywalker Saga series, but uh, we got to get to some news first, and I think we should just jump right in. So a lot been going on in the Disney company. (laughs) We'll we'll move into Star Wars in a minute, but yeah, I I told Matt literally right before we hit the record button um, that that we had to cover some news. Um, Wow. It's funny because you put your first blog up the other day on on the website, Matt, which was cool, all about watching the new Batman movie. And I started to sit down and started to write out a blog about some of the news we're about ready to talk about. I'm like, I just want to talk about this on the show. Like, I want to write it, but I want to talk about it on the show. Um, This is one of those moments where my two favorite passions are intersecting with one another right now. And that is politics and Disney are literally at like... A, a, a crossing point right now, um, which is really interesting. So I think in order to help kind of let, let's set the stage here a little bit about what's going on. So we've talked about it a couple of times um, on the show. Uh, the, the the Florida legislature has had um, a bill. It is now officially law because it was signed in law, but has had a bill uh, down there that they've been cooking um, that critics and opponents refer to as the don't say gay bill. But basically, more or less, what this bill is, is it, it prevents teachers and school administrators and school staff from talking about any type of sexual orientation or sex education, really, with um, at least with the way the bill's written. Uh, for anyone from kindergarten through third grade, and some critics say because of how big the bill is, really any any K through twelve school, um, lots of debate. We're not that's not what this conversation is. But but what happened was because of the critics of the bill, Disney got itself into some hot water because it wasn't doing anything. The largest employer in the state of of Florida, one of the largest employers in the country, well, and and, it, and employer of LGBTQ people. Yes. <laughs> that, and, that's the big key. <laughs> and arguably one of its biggest fan bases is the LGBTQ community, right? So the initial go around, they issued this really weak statement of, oh, you know, what's happening is horrible, but, you know, the best way that we can support diversity and inclusion is to be more diverse in our entertainment offerings or something along those lines. I mean, it was like literally pathetic weak sauce. Like it was horrible. Well, Chappick... <laughs> Oh boy! Not, not a great week for for Bob. No, no, not a great two years for Bob, and we can go into that a little bit later. But <laughs> but uh, he issues the statement says I was wrong, and this was I talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, I was wrong, you know. I, I you know we're gonna you know we're we're gonna stop basically contributing to the Florida legislators who support this bill, but the Disney company kept funding Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Okay, so Disney cast members aren't happy. Disney guests aren't happy. Disney fans aren't happy. Cast members start staging walkouts. Um, Some of these were just 15-minute walkouts on breaks, which I don't even know if those can be considered walkouts, but whatever. Some of them were much bigger, and these walkouts extended to Imagineers and the upper echelon of, of Disney executives to some degree. So Disney, again, finally got it right forced or not and basically came out and said we got it wrong we screwed up we are ending all contributions including to DeSantis as far as I can tell and we are going to do what we can to stop this law we're going to challenge it in courts because the law has now since passed 
So that's where we're at right now. That's the background. Now, why are we talking about that besides the fact that it's got a little bit of Disney? Well, now we get some of the Disney history, which is what's really interesting here. So for those of you who don't know, the Walt Disney Company, one of the reasons why Walt Disney World is as behemoth of, an, of a resort as it is in, in, in Florida is that Walt and Roy were very, very, very smart businessmen. I mean, they were just exceedingly smart. And when they bought up all this land down there, one of the things they worked out for Disney to come to Florida with the Florida government at the time in the 60s was we don't want to be uh, subject to all the rules and regulations and laws and policies. Like red tape. Like we don't have to go through all the red tape to get XYZ built. So basically what they said was, we want to operate our own government. We want you to basically vote us in as our own local government, the Reedy Creek Improvement District, basically the RCID. But what that allowed them to do is then be able to regulate their own stuff. The only thing that they're subject to in the state of Florida right now are elevators. That is the only thing they are subject to is elevator safety, which I think is important despite what happens at the time. You know what? I was like, good, (laughs) good, good job. (laughs) But what it also means is that they also don't get support from taxpayers, right? So they don't get um, the taxpayers of Orange County, Florida, uh, don't pay for the services that Disney is. They are completely self-contained. Their power, their water, their sewage, their road maintenance, it's all self-contained. So why does this matter? Well, Ron DeSantis, the legislators who aren't getting the, the, the political contributions from Disney anymore, are not happy with Disney right now. They're, the phrase is they've become too woke. Don't even get me started on that. They've become too woke. And so maybe it's time, this is what they're saying, to prevent Disney from having this special carve out in the way that they do their business. So that's where we're at right now. Matt, I did a lot of talking there to set us up. Where are your thoughts at on this? I think it's a lot of posturing right now um, that Disney is having to posture a little bit because uh, the curtain got peeled back of how they actually operate, which was this, yeah, we're going to just kind of fund both sides or we're going to kind of just, you know, stay, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to keep, you know, tell you who we're, we're giving to. And then uh, the, the legislator and the governor kind of got caught with like, Oh shoot. Uh, Disney now all of a sudden has pulled all of their funding. Uh Oh. And so they're having to kind of like, again, posture themselves for their, for their bases. And, you know, it's, I I look at it and I go, it's, it's a very short sighted thing. I think if the legislator repeals it, because like you said, then the taxpayers are on the hook for all this. Um, And and so there, there, there would be some changes that would go on there. Um, I, I, I think this right now, this is a bunch of posturing that won't turn into anything. I, I, I think it's, again, it's all trying to appease fan bases. This is a, a, I mean, I'm sure you know, this is a very big thing in politics is firing up your, your base to mm-hmm. go and vote and be on your side and, and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it, it would be insanely interesting though if it, you know it actually got to a point where they could repeal the reedy creek i don't think it's going to happen disney well, is going to throw all kinds of money towards i, I also like, think that it's, it's important to say this too 
if that were to ever get to that point, it's not like suddenly Disney would cease to exist. No. I mean, basically, Disney would then have to operate similarly the way they operate in California. I yeah. mean, California, I mean, they, they are subject to regulations and rules of, of Anaheim and the, and, and of the state of California because they don't have those special rules in, in, in California. That said... I don't necessarily know if the base of Ron DeSantis and the legislators who are proposing this would be willing to go that far in Florida because suddenly, like you said, the taxpayers of Orange County suddenly have to pay for all the like all like where does that revenue come from? Because now suddenly it's it's not its own city. It's just part of the county now. Right. So yeah. like it, it, that that, you know, I think you're right. I think it's a lot of political posturing. But. One of the things that is just really interesting is that, yeah, Walt Disney World has operated with this carve out, if you will, for 50 years. And the other thing to say, too, is that, you know, Universal, Universal um, operates without this and they're able to do just fine as well. Exactly. And, and Disney, again, largest employer in the state of Florida don't don't piss them off i mean that's basically where we're at right now i hate yeah. to put it that way you know yeah i i, I think it's you know it, it, we're at a we're at a weird time right now where we really are where everyone's trying to to fire up the polar opposites of political spectrums and 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 let's be clear like i mean regardless of what you think about the situation it's interesting it's mm-hmm. interesting to think about what would happen and 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 i think people think about the short term effects that's why i think this is never going to happen because right now all it is i think is the legislators saying haha well we'll get you back yeah. to take that and ultimately like you said disney would figure it out they would yep. be just fine. Like it's it, 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 it that really, honestly, I don't think it would hurt Disney as much as they think that it would hurt Disney. Exactly. Like you said, Universal's doing just fine. You could you could make a valid argument right now that Universal is actually doing a better job than Disney in terms of theme parks in Florida right now. Yeah, based I on mean, with the, how fast their Epic Universe is supposed to be up and running here pretty quick. I mean, exactly. They've got, they've, got, they've got two and a half theme parks. You count, you know, obviously Islands Adventure, Universal Studios, and of course the the Volcano Bay is a water park, but they call it a theme park. But Epic Universe is supposed to be up and running up by 2024, I think they said. I, so I, I want to say it's even a year earlier. I want to say it's like 2023. I, I think there's a joke running around right now that Epic Universe will be running before uh, the Tron Lexical Run will be yeah, running. <laughs> you're not wrong. So, um, all right. That said, so let's transition to the second part of news. Um, uh, apparently, Bob Chapek, uh, during the quarterly investment meeting, um, said the quiet part out loud. Uh, he kind of put his foot in his mouth, and he said something that we all know, and it's not like there was, you know, I posted this article up today, today's April 3rd. He basically said prices are going to keep going up because Disney is a demand, and as long as there's a demand, prices are going to keep going up, is basically what he said. Now, he did say that they are going to try, at least I don't know if it was him or the CFO who said this, they're going to try to look for ways to minimize the impact of inflation by charging more for premium stuff and finding ways to bring the premium content in differently. But that said, again, this happens every year around this time. These price increases go up. Um, Corey Radke posted an article in our group a couple of days ago. Yeah, if if you've been following our Facebook group, you kind of have, have been following this conversation. But you know, you know, I said, and, and you you echoed this that this this happens every six months when Disney hikes a price or gives a premium stuff that we think, oh, blah, 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 blah. this time feels different. It 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 feels different, and I, I think right now there's a lot of demand, 
But I'm curious to see then two to three, because the amount of people that are right now in the, I planned a vacation in 2019 and it got canceled. And so we kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And now we're going, that's going to end here in the next year or two. Yes, I I would agree with you on that. But that said, I, 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 to this point, I think there, we, I don't, I agree things feel different. I don't necessarily know if we've hit that tipping point and the more we go through this, the more I don't know if we ever will hit a tipping point. I, 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 I really, I mean, it is expensive. I mean, it is expensive to go there. It is absolutely, it's, how much is a go, Dole Whip? Did you see the picture of the Dole Whip in that article? I no, I didn't. Take a guess how much it costs to buy one single Dole Whip right now at Walt Disney World. Uh, $7. It is $6.99. Wow. Okay. Good it for me. It is $7 to buy a Dole Whip. It was possible five years ago when snacks were five fifty. Like, yes, okay, you could save inflation, but that that is a literally a thirty percent increase from five years ago. Yeah, inflation and, hasn't caused that much. Yeah, and as always, you know, there's going to be, and maybe we need to do an episode on this now with the price hikes of doing Disney on a budget and how to, um, you know, how because we, you know, we've always said, is it you know, Disney- possible to do Disney on a budget now is the question. I still think so. I would need to do some like. And what does a budget even look like? Yeah, I mean, what, what I mean, you can do Disney on, on a budget, but um, I, I would need to do some more research with all the stuff that's been changing. But you said it in your post where it's it's value. I'm okay with a price hike if the perceived value is there, but you know they stepped in it again with this whole Genie Plus rollout. Where, you know, the whole thing with Genie Plus and the thing that I touted and when you came back from your trip where it was, okay, um, you know, Genie Plus is, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complicated, but you can get, if you time it right, you can get through four, five, six fast passes. Well, they come out on the website and say, expect two to three to use Genie Plus two to three times. Like that is that is the official Disney statement on that. And so guests are saying, so it's not that value. It's I'm paying for Fast Pass essentially. And and it's not easier. It's now I have to keep checking my phone constantly throughout the day. And then I you know, I know we've talked about this, but the Magical Express to me is is the biggest debacle that like th- that decision I can deal with little decisions, missteps here and there. I will mm-hmm. never understand why the Magical Express was gotten rid of. Because well, it comes down to that thing that I said earlier, which is price versus value. You can price it all you want, but if the value is not there, and that's what I'm saying, I don't necessarily know if you can do Disney on a quote unquote budget anymore. I don't know if that is possible, Matt. I don't, I don't even know what the average middle-class family, you know, Corey even said he was able to take a trip to Costa, was it Costa Rica? Costa Rica. Yeah. Costa Rica, seven day trip for Costa Rica for what it would cost to go to Walt Disney World right now. For like and, three days. And, and again, so, to go yeah. to Walt Disney World, yes, it's an it's a magical time. And obviously we love what we're what we're doing here. But but the reality is um the value has gone down. And like I will not stay on property at a Disney resort any longer. It just there is no value to saying even All Star Sports, the cheapest of the cheap, is gonna run you two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars a night. For well, All Star Sports. And for, for comparison's sake, before I was a cast member. We, my wife and I went to Disney. So this was uh, 2000, like 2017, 2018. I, my years mold together. So this is before I have a cast member. I'm not getting in for free. I'm not getting any kind of discounts. Nothing along those lines. We stayed at All Star Movies 
and it was I want to say $120 a night. Yeah. We got it and th- and that was a great deal, I thought. Yeah. To stay on property that's with like a, the, that's like a like a like a red roof inn rate, maybe a little bit more than a red roof inn, you know. Like it, and 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 again, that was with Magical Express and and all that all the early, amenities. Early park admissions, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like there are things that, yeah, and they're, they're touting this whole 30 minutes before the park opens. It's really not. There's no late. Unless you're saying at a deluxe result the resort, there's no late entry or late late magical hours anymore. I just, I just, I don't know. I think I you're know. just going to see. I think where Disney's going to see the hit is that, you know, people like you and me, we go every year. Except now, I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, I, 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 it may from just a cost perspective, it may be every other year or every third year, every fourth year. I don't know because I don't think I'm going to be able to afford going every year. For families, it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's going to be we save up and spend a big amount of cash, and then we're done. We're not going to Disney World ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and on top of this, cast members can't get a reservation. because So this great perk that the Disney company has, it, the cast members can't get it on their day off because the reservations are full. And so it just it's a bad look all around. And honestly, this goes back to our Bob JPEG spectacular. I don't see how he is in charge for much longer. Well, and that's the final point of this really is that there there are a lot of things out there that are projected. First of all, his contract's up at the end of 2024. So he's got a... Uh, I thought it was sooner than that. I, I thought it was like 11 maybe, months or something maybe, like maybe, that. Maybe it, was your, maybe it was the end of 2023 then. I don't know. It's like 18 months at most. So if he lasts that long, I don't... He has made every wrong decision you could possibly think. I mean, think about his tenure for the last two years. Is there anything that he's done that's been done right? That wasn't left over from the Iger era? Like, that's the key, is there was a lot of stuff like, well, this opened, but that was Iger that started that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, the I, I praise the Lord that I was not, that I have not working for the Disney PR department in the past month, because <laughs> they have to be... Oh my gosh! They yeah. have to be just wow. Um, so I, you know, it's it's interesting, but um, it, just a lot of missteps, and I, 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 a lot of it, I think, just comes from the leadership. And I, yeah. I think that if you can get the right leadership in there, I think maybe you'll you'll you know turn the thing around. But it, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, and in from everything I'm reading, there, there. You know, capacity is it's not at a hundred percent capacity, but they're they they're staffed at like enough for like a thirty percent capacity, but they're operating at like a sixty or seventy percent capacity, and they can't get anybody to work for them right now. And that that's and that, a whole other thing right there. You know, that's yeah, that that's crazy. That blows my mind. Absolutely, that, that's does. that's absolutely nuts. But uh, you know, we're seeing that everywhere. That if you're paying a not paying a a healthy wage, people just aren't applying for your job. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's happening yeah. everywhere. Exactly. All right. I think that's enough um, uh, ranting and raving about the news. Uh, real quick, Matt, you did post a uh, blog up on SorcererNetwork.com. Uh, so what, what is, what's going on with that? Talk about Yeah. That. So um, Sorcerer Network has reached its phase two, I guess. Let's call it that. Um, it, it, I posted my first kind of article blog thing. Um, you know, we have the Sorcerer's blog. Um, so Casey, me, and 
Grant, to be honest with you, anyone else that really wants to write anything, if you want to write something, send it to me. I may post it. <laughs> um, just on pop culture things. So, you know, I wrote three reasons why I think that you should go watch the new Batman movie. Now, I've speaking also- of that, so we talked about that last week. Now, was the blog article prompted from our conversation or was or was that already in the works? Before? It was already in the works. <laughs> okay, okay. I was already working on it. All right. <laughs> Um, and then I've got one uh, coming up. I, I just put in the finishing touches on it. Got one coming up on an upcoming uh, Nintendo Switch and console game called Disney Speedstorm. I've a, seen that. It's yes. supposed to be like the Mario Kart of Disney, right? Yeah. So yeah, they've they've announced that. a bunch of cool characters, and um, so kind of talking about Disney video games and and why I'm excited for this one. So we're gonna have more content coming up here. Um, I, I've I'm I'm working on YouTube content now. Trying and figure out what that's going to be. Uh, it, I, I am. We are moving quickly into the next phase. So please go ahead and check it out. This right on the front page. You'll find the button for the Sorcerer's Blog. Beautiful. Well, let's go in and shift gears. Um, you know, we're 20 minutes into this episode and we barely even touched this yet. But yeah, you know. We have been on a journey since probably last, I'd say, late spring, early summer, where we started um, kind of working our way through the various Skywalker Star Wars films. We started with the prequels, uh, obviously uh, Phantom Menace and then uh, Clone Wars or uh, Attack of the Clones, sorry. And, and then, of course, we, we had Revenge of the Sith. Um, then we um, had an opportunity to watch uh, Solo and then we went into Rogue One, then New Hope, and then Empire Strikes Back. And I, I'm not going to lie, I know we're like a little over two-thirds of the way now after watching this, but I, it, it does feel like we have arrived at like the end of an era to some degree because yeah i mean let's be honest th- this in a lot of ways was the capstone to george lucas's career uh you know obviously he came around and did the, the prequels but in terms of chronological order this was it this was the thing that kind of tied it all together um, especially when he went back and did some of the the the, the edits on this, and I, I literally just finished watching it, and and appreciated how a lot of this got tied together and tied back to those prequels. But um, we are talking Return of the Jedi here. Um, just let's just do the real quick basics here. The movie was released on May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. So we will be coming up on the fortieth anniversary next year. Wow. Um, 132 minutes long as far as its runtime um, budget of anywhere between 32 million to 43 million dollars grossed 475 million dollars at the box office needless to say at this point uh, Mark Hamilton uh, Harrison Ford Carrie Fisher they were uh, um, I mean just downright stars at this point uh, uh, uh uh, Harrison Ford had obviously started at that point in, in the, the Indiana Jones franchise. So clearly he was a huge star at this point, but this was basically the conclusion at the time of the three arc picture. So, you know, if you think, if you put yourself in the shoes of the people who were watching this at the time, they didn't have any of this other stuff. It was just these three pictures that, that had been out, but it's so funny rewatching it now. And then we can get into it after having watched Boba Fett. It felt different this time for me. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely feels different. Well, and knowing that there's, you know, seven, eight, nine, knowing about you know what happens in the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and like all this other stuff, um, 
yeah, it gives you a different, a little bit of a different view. I, I think one interesting fact that I found, uh, I've got a ton of interesting facts, but uh, one of them that I found was that this was kind of the first Star Wars movie where they really had to worry about people spoiling the film hmm. because people were, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I mean, this is the, the peak of Star Wars fandom uh, in terms of the early years. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, they they filmed this under the under a disguised script. It was called Blue Harvest. And like they gave the cast and crew like Blue Harvest merch to wear. So no one knew no one could walk past and go, there's the Star Wars and, you know, see what they were doing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I guess. I mean, obviously, things like the Internet didn't exist out there, but word of mouth absolutely did. You know, yeah. and, and obviously the twist of leia being luke's sister we take that for granted now because we we know i mean we we, we've seen the prequels we knew what happened um but they didn't know that even the line there is another from empire strikes back no one knew what that meant so for that to come up when yoda ultimately says sis you know there's another skywalker and then you know luke puts it together that it's his sister with 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 um, Obi Wan Kenobi, that had to be a huge revealing moment in in the theater when they when they revealed it, you know. Yeah, well, and and I I originally heard that Yoda was not going to be in uh, Return of the Jedi at all, and they kind of went back. One of the main reasons was um, Lucas uh, he consulted a child psychologist about. Um, uh, about uh, during the making of the film, and the psychologist said that unless it was unequivocally stated that Vader was Luke's father, moviegoers age twelve and under would dismiss Vader's claim as Luke uh, to Luke as a lie. So he ha- he had to put in this you know trusted figure, so to speak. And I would say, especially for that younger demographic, Yoda would be the mm-hmm. trusted figure. And so because of this child psychologist's uh, advice, he had to put. Uh, he had to put Yoda in there as telling Luke, yeah, no, it, it, that, that's correct. <laughs> it's, it's, well, and you know what's, you're funny, right. what's funny about that, too, is watching it now as we've gone through the history and we now have episode one, episode two, episode three, and we've gotten to know Yoda even more on a deeper level. Because, I mean, really, at this point, it, it, when it was first released, the original fandom only had a small snippet of Yoda which with Empire Strikes Back and then this like the, they didn't have necessarily the same relationship that audiences now who watch it do with three full episodes of Yoda being this this figure at the height of his prime and everything like that so I will say that Yoda dying I think hits harder now knowing what we've been through with him especially when 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 he's talking about you know Vader and he's talking about Anakin and he's talking about and, and even the scene not just Yoda even the scene with Obi-Wan Kenobi and and just kind of going through a little bit more of the history and in my mind I'm so far removed from it now that I can I can I'm playing flashbacks of of those scenes from Revenge of the Sith and how they played out and you can see that and I know there's a bunch of super cuts out there that you can find where this conversation's taking place and taking place and they interject the super the the different cuts of the flashbacks and stuff i think all things considered given that these six movies and if you want to include the other two obviously solo and 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 rogue one in there all things considered these six movies 
Lucas did a pretty darn good job of the connections and tiebacks and call forwards and everything, given that they would take, take place literally over a 40 year period. I mean, I mean, that's, that's a really amazing feat to be able to do what he did. Storytelling is hard. I think we, we, we are very critical of storytelling, but yet if you were to tell me to go and write a story and have it be compelling and have a twist and, and, and then when I was 70 years old, tell me to do, you know, now write that same story and connect it. That'd be hard. That'd be very, very hard. Yeah. And I know he already had some of the, the ideas in his head and I, I get all that, but it's hard. Like storytelling is a, is an art form. He did have some of those ideas in his head, but in the same regard, I don't necessarily know if the ideas in where it wound up was where he thought it would be when he started. Like probably had some I, big I, ideas, but not yeah. the nitpicky. Like, in fact, I know he didn't have it necessarily where it, where it was like, uh, Leia and Luke were not originally going to be brother and sister. I mean, that, that came hence, out of hence the kiss. In yeah. I mean, they, I mean, that clearly was not going to happen. Honestly, I don't think Anakin Skywalker it, as Darth Vader was originally in the original idea. I think that that was, that came after the fact. And I think as somebody who has written stories before, as somebody who has gone in and written books and, and, and has had to come up with creative content, there is this thing that happens where the original story, the original content. So I'll give you an example. So we talked about my book on this podcast before. Yeah. I've written, written two books. I think I even gave you a digital copy of it. I, I do have that. Yes. So when I originally wrote Elixir, so when I originally wrote Elixir, the first book that I wrote, it wasn't even a book. It was a short story I wrote when I was in seventh grade. And then I revisited it when I was in college and I wrote it as a novel. Awesome. It was, it had its own mythology, its own, way of, 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 of character development. And by no means am I an expert in storytelling, but this was my very first pass at it. And it came out pretty good. I had, it had its story. It was a self-contained story, but I left a, a hanging thread at the end in case I wanted to, 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 in fact, write another book. Sure enough, a few years later, I decided to do it again. I wrote Elixir too. But what's interesting, when you go and write your sequel, when you go and write what in the world are you doing? I'm trying to, I had a sneeze stuck. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm watching Matt. He's looking up and I'm just like, what? I thought he was frozen, but he was yeah. moving slightly. All right. No, anyway. I, I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I was trying okay. to sneeze. <laughs> when you go and kind of have to fill in the gaps and start to thread needles and tie backs to the original information, but also make it compelling. So it's not a rehash of the original that, that takes time. You have to start, you almost have to have, there's, there's the book you're writing and then there's like the almanac next to it to make sure that your references make sense. Your names are right. Your birth dates are right. Your, your places are right. So again, I, I give Lucas all the credit in the world for what he was able to do to be able to tie this all together here, both the original three story arc and then to come back around and, and, kind of do the, I don't know if it's the 2003 edits or the 2001 edits. I think it's 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004 edits. You know, they do a really good job of tying it all together. Yeah, I agree. Um, but So let's do what we normally do. Like, favorite part of this movie? You want to start. Why don't you start first? Uh, the scene where it's the Emperor, Luke, and Vader. Um, you know, obviously now it, it doesn't have as much of an impact. But as a kid, I remember watching it and... 
you really don't know what's going to happen. Like you think that Luke is going to be, you know, the one that, that, that turns the dark, like, or that keeps on the light side and defeats evil, but they do a really nice job of making it not like telegraphing that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I like that scene. And, And the emperor is legit, like scary in terms of like, I, I know what's going to happen. It's as it's foretold. This is what's happening. I'm not worried about it. Don't. It's fine. And and that as a anytime a villain has that has that everything is fine. I'm not frustrated. I'm not scared. Just this is how things are going. It's okay. I think I think too watching the emperor when he talks about all is going as I have foreseen, et cetera, et cetera. It it really takes on a different meaning when you realize how much of a master strategist he was in planning the initial events of the prequel, right? I mean, if you think about, okay, again, this is not the way it was originally written, but if you watch it now like we are in chronological order, you know, we see a lot of Palpentine in 1, 2, and 3, and then he goes away. We don't see him much. We don't see him in 4 at all. And then 5, we briefly see him as, you know, and, 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 and he was initially just meant to play just a little bit of a part. And then suddenly we see his master strategy come back around. It is interesting because with how much of a villain Darth Vader is, I mean, he's like on the top 100 or top 50, maybe even top 10 villains list of all time for most people. It is interesting to see kind of him kind of give that role away to the emperor here and the villain and the, the emperor becomes much more the villain in this episode than Vader was in all the other ones, you know? Well, because if you start, if you watch it in this order, starting with one, two, three, and and even with, 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 if you have the knowledge of the cartoons, it very much feels like where the ending where Darth Vader asks to have his helmet removed, it very much feels like this redemptive story of Anakin Skywalker where Luke's big thing is father. I know you're in there. It's not too late. And, and in, in just watching four, five, six, you don't get, you don't get the weight of that. But with having all of this background knowledge, you do get the weight of that. And, and even if you're, even if you don't watch the cartoons, just having one, two, three, you feel the, you know, no, Anakin, you can still come back to the light side. Yeah. And, and actually, when his helmet comes off, that is one of my favorite parts, too. And actually rewatching it today, I was purposely like when the helmet come off, I'm like, OK, I know it's a different actor. I know he's 30 years older. But, you know, do I see Anakin from the prequels in when the helmet comes off? And yes, you do. You can see it in his eyes. And I've never really realized it before, but the eyes of Vader when the helmet comes off and the eyes of Hayden Christensen playing um, Anakin Skywalker, they're similar. You can see it in his eyes. You can see that 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 deep stare that, that um, Hayden Christensen was really um, known for in terms of, of playing um, Anakin. And you can absolutely see it. And, and you know, speaking of that, let's, let's go to one of the most controversial moments of the movie, which is the end scene where... Um, Hayden Christensen was inserted with the force ghosts of Yoda and um, Obi-Wan Kenobi um, versus the original actor who, who played him. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with the decision to revise it or do you think it should have been the original? I think it's a no brainer to revise it. Thank you. Thank you. It is an absolute no brainer. 
this is one of those controversies that I just do not understand. Okay, it's not the original. Okay, I, I like, and I, I get it. Um, there are some things that the original is better. Journey into Imagination, perfect example. The ride right now sucks. Original ride way better. But in this case, it it the logical thing to do. Take any emotion out of it. The logical thing to do is to put Hayden Christensen in that role. That's but, logic states yes. Where this goes to is is an interesting argument or an interesting debate. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. And take it just out of the Star Wars universe and let's pull it into a broader context. At what point does an artist's work that has been released into the fandom to enjoy, at what point, or does it even, at what point does that work remain the property of the artist or does it become the property of the fans? And so let me let me kind of express what I'm trying to say here. The reason why I think I'm okay with the Hayden Christensen edit is because in my mind, I'm on the belief that it's my work. This is George Lucas's work. He owned it. He has the right to go and revise it whenever he wants to make it better based on his vision. If that's what he wanted, that is that is completely on him. The fans don't get to the fans absolutely get to dictate with their wallets and their viewing of whether or not they want to see it. But it is still at that point George Lucas's work. Just like now, it's no longer George Lucas's work. So he does not get to dictate any longer. It is now Walt Disney's work. It is now Lucasfilm. It is Kathleen Kennedy's choice because they own that right. So my question to you is, at what point does the creator no longer have creative control over a piece of work or do they always have creative control? I think you always have it. Like if if I were to go back... And I mean, this would be much less controversial, but if we were to go back and redo a part of a podcast, we actually have done that, by the way, we, yeah. there's one episode out there that got flubbed somehow. I can't remember which it was very early on, but the edit went wrong and we went back and uploaded the revised version and no one was the wiser except for those few people who watched the original. Yeah, but even <laughs> but even like let's say let's say again this is very much lower this is unrealistic but let's say your opinion on the movie Wall-E which I believe our fourth episode drastically changed okay. that you watched it again and you went this is a garbage movie I don't know what I was thinking uh, I'm I'm I, I I cannot believe I am on the record saying this was good we need to go back and fix it we absolutely have the right to do that. Because we are in control of this, we are in control of this creative content. I think it is really great when, because you, as a creator, you do want your fans to connect with the material. That's how things become popular. When people emotionally connect, when they invest in it, that's what happens. But ultimately, then it, it you start to feel some ownership of it. And um, I, I guess the best example I have is sports. Um, uh, I, I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, sorry to all of my Illinois people that are listening to this podcast, but my parents grew up in Wisconsin and grew up a Packers fan. And they just traded a big-name wide receiver. His name was Devontae Adams, big star wide receiver, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, possibly top, you know, no question, top five. They traded him for 
I don't need to get into the reasons on this podcast, but they they traded him. And the outrage of fans is is like they are sending in emails to the to the general manager of how dare you? This is a slap in the face to us, to us Packers fans, yada, 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 yada. And ultimately, I'm sitting there going again, the, the team is is buying us into where we're like, yeah, we're a part of this, too. But mm-mm. The general manager and the Green Bay Packers organization has all the control of personnel changes forever. So we do not get to dictate the personnel changes. That's for the management. And I think that's the same thing here where they want us to connect and feel in it, but they get creative. They get creative control. Yeah. Well, to that point, though, again, you have every right to express your opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you have a right to vote with your wallet, with your with your viewing, whether you choose to watch it. And that will help somebody make a decision. But at the end of the day, this is his product. This And so this this leads me to another question, which I think is really interesting. There are some edits that you can clear where tell where a clearly tell where a product of their time. CGI was used in certain elements and you look at them go and you still cringe here with the 2022 eye. Even in 20, in 2004, they might've been the best of the best, but here in 2022, you look at them and go, Ooh, Ooh, yee, that's rough. Like they're like the scene where some of the Stark or some of the cruisers on Tatooine are moving around. You can just tell their CGI. Oh yeah. So there's also, um, I saw a super cut edit of, uh, um, of this goes back to the battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in the original Star Wars that a fan did. And it was labeled the, the, the battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi we should have had. And clearly it had a lot more to it. It was, it was done with today's modern graphics. Mind you, by an amateur, but this thing was epic. It was an epic battle. So here's my question. Would you support Lucasfilm making the decision to go back and make edits with today's technology to 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 you know to even help hone um, the connection between the prequels and the sequels together, and and with better graphics, with better imagery, with better scenes, uh, with better CGI, would you support such a change now, or do you feel that that canon is locked and it should not be adjusted anymore? I think you start getting into what's the line between edits and remake. Fair. That if I'm going to go through and change the lightsaber battles and change the, um, oh, well, the ships look off, so I got to change all that, and now I got to change this, at some point you're just making a remake. Fair, <laughs> um, fair. I mean, that, um, that, 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 that's fair. Now, I guess the difference there to answer your question between edit and a remake is an edit is one where um, the – a remake is one where the original still exists, but the new one is is just that. It's new. It's out there and lives alongside. So a Lion King remake is is so you got Lion King, you got the Lion yeah. King animated remake, which that's not a live action, even though it's called that, right? They still live. So it did nothing to affect the original Lion King. Okay. I, I, what, oh, yeah, yeah. George, what George Lucas did though in two thousand and four was edit the originals and and literally took the originals out of existence. They don't exist. You can't find them anywhere. I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't really support that. No. I like, I don't, I wouldn't like that, but based on my argument, it would be their right to do it. And would that stop me from watching star Wars? No, 
and and so like that i that gets to a point where where it's huh i don't know like that that's an interesting really, question it's, it's an interesting question because i think what it boils down to is is a piece and i'd be i'd be very interested to hear from our, our listeners and i'd love for you guys to post this in our socials is a piece of art is a movie is a television show is a piece of art is a song ever like is there ever a point where that movie truly is that piece of art truly is complete and should never be touched again or should the artist should the creator whoever they are have the ability to go back and make changes based on their own vision or is it that once it's out there it's no longer under the ownership of the creator and it becomes this shared I don't want to say public domain because obviously, you know, the, the audience is not going to have the right to go change it, but the audience has, has, is, is sharing in the continued legacy of that piece. And so when you go and change that legacy, do you affect the relationship? Like that's just a really interesting concept to me, you know, like could Feige, could Kevin Feige go back and make changes to the original Iron Man now and take out the stuff related to, um, Iraq or wherever they were in the Middle East because it's not relevant anymore to mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Or could you go back and put Mark Ruffalo in the original Incredible Hulk? Yeah, great. That's a great um, call out. Um, or some of the other like loose threads that maybe you thought you were going that direction and you didn't. Yeah, like I, take out the take out the scene where you see the the Infinity Gauntlet in Thor's lair, and then remove the scene with Hela where she says "fake," and therefore it's no longer a, it's no longer a retcon. It's just not there. Like, yeah, it's just not there anymore. It's that's it, just an interesting concept because I know that those edits really they they kind of divided Star Wars fandom as does anything, but they really divided Star, Star Wars, Wars fans. Divided what? <laughs> But, but in this case, I think with this particular movie, almost all all the edits were 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 done and added value. Some of them just looked cheesy. But like you know, like again, having Hayden Christensen in um, at the end when they show the various cities, including Coruscant, right? That wasn't in the original, but to tie all six of these movies together, I think yeah. it was brilliantly done. You want to see these these other even even um, uh, Jar Jar Binks's planet you want to be able to see them celebrating that they are free from the emperor you know i did yeah. at least yeah no it, it adds something i think that's i think that's the big key is if you're gonna make an edit it needs to add something it yeah. can't just be a well we want to update the graphics no it needs to add something so in, in terms of that obi-wan versus darth vader lightsaber fight is that adding to you know the list of epic battles between them or it is could. that just it could it, it could if there or was is some it just dialogue like, that referenced maybe some of the original or the prequel you know exactly so I, I think that's that's the key is it's really gotta add something to it rather than just doing it for doing its sake yeah so this kind of leads me to my question here so this new Obi Wan um, show is coming out in May uh, they've confirmed that Hayden Christensen is going to be back playing Darth Vader he's going to be stepping into the role of Darth which is exciting here's the thing though. We already know the two can't meet because according to New Hope, the last time I saw you was the battle. So clearly the two of them are not going to meet, right? I mean, would that be accurate? Yeah, because, um, you know, obviously there's the there's the Inquisitors are a big part of the trailer, which if you are a um, either Star Wars Rebels fan or a um, uh, the video game, The Last Jedi, 
has inquisitors that that come up. Um, I think the inquisitors are going to kind of be the liaisons, so to speak. But I don't know, because um, you could you could very easily. It wouldn't be the first time that Star Wars have kind of you know forced something in or. That would uh, be a crazy retcon, though. Like I could see it where Obi Wan sees Darth. But I don't know if they're going to be able to make it to where Darth sees or senses Obi Wan, because again, the last you know th- that I mean that that is ingrained into the canon of Star Wars lore that they don't meet again until this this moment in, in A New Hope. You know, I honestly would be okay if they didn't. Like, I don't think we need an Obi Wan versus Darth Vader battle in this series. I think it'd be very cool to see them doing their separate thing on either side. And again, the Inquisitors are kind of the ones that the go betweens, yeah, that are the go betweens. And the Inquisitors are very, uh, very popular characters, very uh, menacing characters. Put it this way. I even know who the Inquisitors are, and I yeah. don't the show, so I even know who they are. So yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's it, they're they're very 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 cool characters, and I'm curious to see uh, how much we see of. That. I, I'm 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 so excited for that series. I and mean, this I'm, is taking place ten years after Revenge of the Sith, right? I believe so. So, so New Hope hasn't happened yet. So this is then therefore happening approximately 25 years before Boba Fett and all that. Right. I, I, the timeline is, I need, I need a, like a map. That's right. No, I think (laughs) that's right. I think this is actually probably taking place around the same time as maybe a little bit earlier than solo would be. Probably. Yeah. Cause solo, I think was supposed to be like set like 10 years before a new hope. I want to say, okay. It'll be interesting to see if we see, if we see Maul, if Darth Maul. Maybe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what tie-ins they make because, yeah. I mean, that's been kind of the key with, I mean, the Book of Boba Fett. The big thing was tying in a bunch of cartoons and where are they going. And it, there's, it'll be interesting to see who they tie into all this because they're yeah. kind of making their own. You know, yes, there's the Star Wars universe, but there's also this like TV universe yeah. that's that's yeah. brewing. This is um, the non Skywalker universe, really. Even yeah, Vader is going to be in there. This is like the parallel. What's going on? You know, with everything that's happened with Boba Fett and with Mandalorian and all that stuff. You've had it's touching Skywalker, but they're not the main. It's not the main focus. It's not the main focus. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, I, yeah. So okay, as we kind of round the bend here, you know, we're we're kind of in a lot of ways wrapping up what is the second what would have been the first generation of star wars we went through the second generation of star wars which was the prequel series that was the in, that was the the second generation now we've just finished the first generation the generation that started it all the next time we do this matt we're moving into the current generation we're moving yeah. into and i would argue it's separate from the mandalorian and book of boba fett and everything we just said but it next up is force awakens and the excitement that built around the fact that after, you know, uh, was it nine years or 10 years after, I think, or maybe 11 years after Revenge of the Sith came out, we got a new Star Wars movie and this was a sequel. This was the originals were coming back. It was a carrying on of the story, not a, 
before the story. So I am really excited. I know you have a lot to get to with this trilogy. I do. Stuff. Um, but it's going to be really interesting because we're moving basically 30 years into the future at this point or close to it. Yeah, it's it's we've talked so much about the past that this is going to be very much talking about these, you know, 789 is going to be kind of the current age yeah. of Star Wars. And that's been something because, again, this is 1983 that this comes out. So this yeah. is a good for like you said, coming up on 40 years. Yep. And uh, what what a time to like again just imagining being waiting for this movie being in the theater i mean i'm sure it was spider-man no way home end game levels of people cheering and having a great time it, it, was, and, it was it wasn't morbius right oh <laughs> you've seen those reviews and you've seen looked, those oh I looked up what happened in the end credit scenes, so I didn't have to go see it. <laughs> I have heard nothing but horrible, horribleness with this. We won't be seeing Morbius anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, well, the 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 question is, it's I don't want to get into get into all the things of this, but it, Sony is trying to set up their own Spider Verse, and it's just clear that Sony just cannot capture that magic. It's not working. I don't think anybody can capture that magic, even DC. I mean, and you would say that DC was probably primed and ready to do it. But I tell you right now, you know how DC could do it? DC could do it if they set up some kind of a multiverse of their own and brought back some of the original Batmans or some of the original characters, you know? To, to follow up on my article that I wrote on SorcererNetwork.com, um, one thing that I didn't mention in the article that I liked about the Batman is it wasn't trying to set up any grand universe. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The MCU, I love it. But not every movie series needs a huge universe. Yeah. Just it's okay to make a Batman franchise or a whatever franchise just in the context of its own thing. You think we as a public have maybe outgrown that? Like that was such the rage the last ten years. Do you think that we're moving in a direction where we kind of come back to self-contained movies for a bit? I think, I think so. I don't. I mean, I think there's going to be some that transform into it. I mean, think about it. I mean, this is the MCU didn't do necessarily anything, you know, too shocking. It, it was it, it it was a slight bend on a trilogy or a you know movie series, but. I mean, Lord of the Rings, the book series and the movies and now coming in well, with shows. I, I, hold on. Have I was, pre- I'm going to disagree with you on that, that you don't think the MCU didn't do anything too shocking. The MCU broke grounds that no other movie franchise has ever done in the history, which is it wasn't just tying a string of movies together. It was tying movies together that had absolutely nothing to do with one another. They were set up as their own little franchises and brought them together in one movie and then tore them back apart and then brought them back another movie. And it was only after Age of Ultron that you started to see more and more crossover. Yeah, I think I think they basically took they basically said, what if we did a series of movies where it wasn't just this one, this two, this three, this four, this five, this six. Um, but the idea of world building is, is something that is not necessarily new, but it's not something that every, uh, every movie franchise needs. We don't need the extended universe of everything. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of where I, I think it was a because it was so revolutionary, the first is always going to be something we catch on to. 
and then then you get into it and there everything becomes a comparison to the first everything becomes a comparison and it becomes so wait now i gotta keep track of these movies too (laughs) yeah no i I gotcha i gotcha i think people just love the idea of crossovers really i think that this next point is is like the next crossover has to be so i mean really the next crossover that everybody wants that everybody's waiting for is the fox mcu crossover because once that happens I don't know how you top that. Like the only one that could potentially top that would be a MCU DC crossover. Like, like when you start to I, like, I'm I'm dating myself here, but I remember back when um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up on WCW's um, a set uh, during the Monday Night Wars of the World Wrestling era, right? So you had the World Wrestling Federation, now Entertainment, and WCW World Championship Wrestling. They were always at odds. Well, suddenly, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash get released from WWF the next Monday. They are on the set of WCW. And then that was crazy enough. Then when WWE bought WCW, which it's hard to believe that was in 2001, but that was in 2001 when that happened. I was a senior in high school the internet was still relatively new. So it wasn't like suddenly like breaking news. So you're watching, there was rumors that this could have happened. You're watching friggin' WWE raw that night. And friggin' Shane McMahon shows up on WCWs in his ring saying, I just bought the WCW. And it was like the world exploded when that crossover (laughs) happened. Right now it's like, you know, it's just common ground, but then it was like wow so i think there is a place for crossovers but um um i think that if you don't do like i said not everything needs a crossover or an epic world building event or whatever um but i am excited to see i think as we move into this next phase of of star wars these next three movies i don't think we're gonna see a star wars movie again for a long time I, I don't. I, I don't think there's a need for it at this point. These yeah, you've mentioned that are filling the gap. That's my thought. Yeah, I, I mean, without the quality of the shows are doing well, and so I, that's really the big interesting thing is when are they gonna are they gonna rush a Star Wars movie to try to capitalize on theaters? Are they just gonna say, you know what, this is fine, we're 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 all good? I I, I don't know. That's that's really a really really interesting question. All right. Well, it is closing time. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can find us at www.sorcererNetwork.com. You can find all of our shows by category. You can find Matt's Mistress Podcast, the Discontinued on Display. You guys just did uh, Persons Unknown uh, that I just put up there. Um, you can also find the blogs. You can find Matt's blog, my blog. I don't have anything quite yet, but Matt does the, this Batman uh, uh, article that he wrote. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Beers and Ears Podcast. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears1928. Feel free to email us, Beers and Ears1928 at gmail.com. Next week on the pod, we're going to be doing basically a Disney bracket round two, if you will. We did this for our, our, our two-year anniversary spectacular with the villains. This time around, we're going to do um, a little bit more kind of like Disney characters all around and, and kind of do a discussion around who, who would beat out who. Um, Matt and I already have to talk about how that's going to work here logistically. But yeah, that should be next week. So otherwise, it'll be completely something different and forget what I just said. It's <laughs> not the episode you were looking for. Um, anyway, uh, let's raise our glasses, Matt. Yes, this episode has been on us. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.
Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.